1: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
2: It's here. Well, sort of. I'm Christopher Hope, The Telegraph's associate editor, and this is an emergency edition of Chopper's Politics, fresh from the publication of the Sue Gray Report into Downing Street and Whitehall parties. While well, it's short, 12 pages of grey, if you'll excuse the joke, that's because the Met Police requested minimal reference to incidents they're now investigating. But it still makes highly uncomfortable reading for the Prime Minister. And so to dissect the Sue Gray Report, I'm joined by my colleague, Gordon Rayner, here at Telegraph Towers, and down the line, Camilla Tomy. Both are associate editors. Camilla, Gordon, welcome to Chopper's Politics. Thank you. Thank you. Gordon, to you first. What's in the report? Well, there are some new facts in the report,
3: which uh, we found out for the first time. We now know that uh, Sue Gray was looking at 16 separate incidents altogether, and we know that the police are investigating 12 of those. And of those, the Prime Minister himself, uh, we believe, was at three uh, of those uh, of those events, so that's um, for, for a start not great news for the prime minister also among those twelve is a party that allegedly took place in the prime minister 's flat on the day that his former advisor Dominic Cummings left. This is the party which uh, has been referred to as the Abba winner takes it all. Party. So both the Prime Minister and his wife are under police investigation, so we know that. And then Sue Gray said that she didn't want to go into any of these individual events, uh, didn't want to give any details about them, but she does make a series of what she calls general findings and they're not very comfortable reading for the Prime Minister uh, at all. Uh, She talks about um, the behaviour at the gatherings being difficult to justify. Uh, She talks about some of them being a serious failure to observe the high standards of people working at the heart of government. Uh, She says too little thought was given to what was happening across the country in considering the appropriateness of some of these gatherings. She talks about failures of leadership and judgment. She doesn't say who by, but I think we can guess who she's referring to there. She talks about excessive consumption of alcohol, which is not appropriate in a professional workplace at any time. Uh, She talks about staff wanting to raise concerns but feeling unable to do so. Uh, And she says that uh, whilst there is obviously a police investigation going on, um, the the, uh, the Downing Street operation does not need to wait for the police investigations to be concluded in order to put some of these things right. So that is what we found out from the report.
2: Camilla Tominey, what's your take on it then?
1: Well, I think the report itself isn't a smoking gun. It's a bit of a pea shooter because it's um, compromised by the fact that the Met has taken over the investigation. And as Gray herself says, she can't report meaningfully. That's the word she uses because she's obviously taking instruction from Dame Cressida Dick. So she's compromised. It's not the smoking gun that some of the prime minister's detractors had wanted. However, One could ask oneself whether he has taken a gun and shot it into his own foot in the statement that he has given in the House.
2: Well, we'll we'll come on to that in a minute, but there are some questions, aren't there, Gordon Rayner, about what he said in the past and what this report suggests. For example, November the 13th, he said there was no party, I think, Mm. in Downing Street. Now, what does the report say about November the the 13th? That appears to be the key date, which this report could be a real problem for Boris Johnson in the next few days and weeks. Yeah, it's interesting
3: because um, there will be a lot of interpretation going on, I think, into exactly what the Prime Minister has said about this key date in the past. Now, I believe what he said on December the 8th last year... Uh, was he was asked about if he could clarify or, or um, describe events that happened on that date in his flat. And well, he, said, that, and he that, said no. And I think there's a lot of interpretation going on as to well whether that, let, that let, meant... let, me, let me read it out No, you. there was Yes,
2: So Catherine West said to him, will the Prime Minister tell the House of House whether there was a party in Downing Street on the 13th of November? The PM replied, no, but I'm sure that whatever happened, the guidance was followed and the rules were followed at all times. Now, we now know that there were two investigations of parties in Downing Street on that same day, don't we? Yes,
3: I think it boils down to, was he actually saying in Parliament, no, there wasn't a party, or was he saying, no, I'm not going to talk about the party? Clearly Downing Street will say it was the latter, but there's been a lot of heat on him today because a lot of MPs are saying, you said there wasn't a party, the Sue Gray report says there was, therefore you've misled Parliament, and as we know, that would be a breach of the ministerial code, that would be a resigning matter as far as a lot of MPs are concerned.
2: And he he was asked twice in the House of Commons that, very question and refused to say anything further than what he said yes back in November Gordon. he just
3: said I stand by what I said so it's, it's a very tricky one for him
2: now Camilla Tomney, you mentioned there Boris Johnson's response in the House of Commons now I was there in, in the House of Commons press gallery looking down on a, what I thought was a mute government benches who listened very closely to what Keir Starmer said if I had to summarize the entire hour I would say it was sorry not sorry. It's like one of my teenagers getting caught out and not apologising. What do you think?
1: Well, I think MPs like the general public are going to be growing frustrated with this refrain, which has switched from we need to wait for Sue Gray to report to we need to wait for the Met to report. And equally, to be fair, Keir Starmer, who hasn't been able to a score in an open goal for several weeks now did give this impassioned defence of what it means to be British and to obey the rule of law and to follow the rules. And again, pulled on the heartstrings with references to people who hadn't been able to see their dying relatives. And I think that's still relevant. So any hope that Downing Street had of this dragging on and delay basically neutering some of the anger that people feel, I think, is probably rather optimistic. Um, And actually, I don't think Boris Johnson gave a very good performance today. Um, He was extremely repetitive. He was frustratingly um, encumbered by this constant reference back to the Met report when he's being asked very simple questions that he can answer without the presence of a police officer. And I suppose that is the issue here. The fact that this contains allegations around a failure of leadership and that it comes across as a damp squib because it's something that we already knew i suppose that's the point here these findings are confirming what we already know about the prime minister and the gray areas now if i can call them that are around his competence around his relationship with the truth and the friendly fire is coming from his own benches and that's the difficulty for him you know Ian Blackford can waltz out once again, undermining all of the hard work that's secured that's done in the House. Um, but it's not up to him, is it? It's up to the likes of Andrew Mitchell and Aaron Bell and Mark Harper and all the others that were lining up to have a go at their own leader.
2: I was struck also, Gordon Ray, about the way that um, Johnson appeared to try and play the man, not the ball. So there was a very low blow, wasn't it, at one point when Boris Johnson said to Keir Starmer that he was a prosecutor who went after journalists and didn't prosecute Jimmy Savile, which yep. I thought completely, I mean, completely misjudged the feeling in the House.
3: Yeah, um, and uh, I, I think there's, there's an acceptance that that's that's not even true. Um, yeah, I think I think I think Boris Johnson started off well. He was um, he was contrite. He said sorry. It's you know it sounded as though he meant it. But then I think the problem was he then reverted to attack mode, uh, which, is, which is, you know, his sort of default mode. And I think that didn't go down very well with MPs on either benches, certainly not on his own benches, uh, because, um, as you say, rather than um, trying to stay with that mood of contrition, um, he started to go on the attack, and he's not really in a position to go on the attack after this report.
2: It was interesting watching, uh, Kimi um Tory MPs with their mask removed. And I thought that Liz Trust. And Dominic Raab looked like they're about to vomit most most of the time. You actually saw their faces for, finally. And it, and it was a, a mask of despair, I thought. I'm not, I'm not being overplaying this, but it, it felt like a bad day for the, for the Tories. It today. was
1: a very bad day. Um, somebody commented on Twitter, could Rishi Sunak's mask have been even bigger? It was like he wanted to cover <laughs> up his entire face. Um, Look, it is a dark day. It drags on as well. This is the argument that David Davis made when he uh, staged his intervention um, in the House. Ten days ago. Ten Ten days days ago, ago, basically saying we're in danger here of bleeding out and dying a death of a thousand cuts, because every day this goes on. On one hand, you could say, well, it dilutes the issue for number 10 and... um, put some distance between the outrage and then the reality. But equally, you could say the other side of that coin is, is that the more and more that is piled on, the more laden the prime minister becomes with all of these allegations. And it leaves a stench. That's the problem with it. And the Tory party are now having to ask themselves whether he is a blessing or a curse, which is a very, very dangerous place for a prime minister to be in.
2: Gordon Rayner, there's a a real moment there from Theresa May, as there often is in Boris Johnson's premiership.
1: What the Grey report does show is that Number 10 Downing Street was not observing the regulations they had imposed on members of the public. Yeah. So either my Right Honourable friend had not read the rules, or didn't understand what they meant, and others around him, or they didn't think the rules applied to Number 10. No. Which was it?
0: Yeah.
2: Well, what, what, what was it, Gordon Wren? You answer for him. Well,.
3: Um... I get the impression Theresa May maybe doesn't like Boris Johnson very much, Chris. I don't know about you. I, I think that, uh, look, I, it was a loaded question. I'm sure she thinks that the answer was that they didn't think the rules applied to them. Clearly, they set the rules. They understood the rules. I don't think there can be any question about that. So sh- she's effectively accusing them of of just thinking
2: that, you know, they were they were above the law effectively. There was a problem in, in, in also there, I think, for the PM in future months and weeks, Camilla Tomini, when he refused to say to three uh, Tory MPs that who'd published the report.
1: Yes, that was interesting as well, wasn't it? On one hand, trying to give this mea culpa and saying sorry and that he would look himself in the mirror and yet not offering the transparency that I think not just the House of Commons but the general public are demanding. Um, We can drill into forensically the details and the minutiae of what's been camed and counterclaimed and look over the timeline. But actually, the public are going to take a rather more generalised view on this. And rather than drilling into the detail, they're going to look at overview and say to themselves, what does this say about the prime minister? And if their conclusions are that it casts him in a bad light and that he's found to be dishonest or in public office, he's been found to be wanting doesn't quite matter what detail the Meta indeed Sue Gray drill down this is about how this looks this is about optics and it's about how the country feels about the man leading it
2: and Gordon Rayner we may have found out a reason why the PM is less than keen to publish that report haven't we after, in fact, while he was speaking, there's a new statement out from the Met.
3: Yes, uh, so Camilla mentioned David Davis and his death of a thousand cuts. Um, we could be in for a, a death of three hundred photos because <laughs> the uh, the Met put out a statement um, while the Prime Minister was speaking, um, saying that they've had five hundred um, statements or five hundred pieces of paper from the Cabinet Office investigation and three hundred photographs. Uh, now that's three hundred potential time bombs waiting to go off um, under the Prime Minister
2: and um, any one of those photos yeah. could be enough to, to now, finish him we just don't know But it, it, it's no surprise is it that if you're having a party with the Prime Minister mm. and the party is they think it's legal therefore they have it then people take pictures because wherever the Boris, my experience of Boris Johnson is wherever he is yeah. People take pictures of him. Yeah. So it's no surprise that there are pictures out there. Yeah. Will those pictures ever see the light of day? Is it normal that the Met will release them after their investigation finishes, or will they go back to Sue Gray or the copyright holder?
3: No, I don't think the Met will publish them, but I think they'll leak, um, as everything tends to in the end. Uh, if there is anything that particularly damning, and it involves the Prime Obviously, not all of these photos are going to be of the Prime Minister, but one would imagine some of them will have him in. Uh, and I think if, um, if if they aren't published... Officially, we will probably see them come out at some point, um, which has been the, the whole
2: history of this Partygate saga, hasn't it? Camilla Tomney, were you impressed by what the PM said? So we know that he's told MPs have been to see him. There'll be a shake up in Number 10 Downing Street. There'll be all sorts of changes there. So far, his answer is basically deputy heads will roll and we'll set up a new government department.
1: Well, um, this is a question to use a football analogy of whether it's a problem with the team or the manager. But what we can conclude is he's fast losing the dressing room. So he's got some stalwart support, but Downing Street FC, I mean, is conceding goals left, right and centre. And therefore, who do you blame? (laughs)
2: Newcastle FC, Gordon, but I'll leave it there. Well, I was
1: going to say, thank you. I was going to say it's a bit like Watford. We're on our 14th (laughs) manager um, in God knows how long. So look, this is the trouble. And actually, if you've lost the dressing room, you're really under an enormous pressure in the chamber to make up for that. And he needed oratorially, at least to pull off an absolute miracle today he needed a Churchillian effort in order to win his own conservative colleagues on side and I'm just not convinced he's done that
2: Gordon Rayner where does it leave the PM do you think we know that we're speaking here um, I think the PM may have finished speaking but I couldn't hear the end of him speaking Um, he's due to meet with backbenchers tonight at half past six well that'll be a box office moment for a start where does it leave Boris Johnson tonight well, I think he's uh, on a knife edge, really. We, we could be talking about 54
3: letters being sent in to um, Sir Graham Brady, the, the chairman of the 1922 committee. By tonight, Or we could be talking about that not happening until uh, the police report comes out. We could be talking about him scraping through till the summer. It's impossible to know because we don't know, for example, how many um, letters have already been sent to Graham Brady. It may only take another couple, for all we know. There probably will be some MPs who will put letters in after today, I think. If you listen to Andrew Mitchell, he either has put a letter in or he's going to by the sign of it.
2: But I am deeply concerned by these events and, and very concerned indeed by some of the things he has said from that dispatch box, and has said to the British public and our constituents. When he kindly invited me to see him 10 days ago, I told him that I thought he should think very carefully about what was now in the best interests of our country and of the Conservative Party. And I have to tell him he no longer enjoys my support. <laughs>
3: It's impossible to call, and, and I think anybody who says they know what's going to happen next is, um, is probably being, being quite fanciful.
2: Yeah, Camilla Tommy, on, on the way here, I bumped into a Tory MP who said to me the following, that was a car crash. A lot of colleagues were waiting for the report to be published, brackets before submitting their own letters of no confidence. They may not wait now. He is his own worst enemy. Isn't it the case, do you think, that this is the Boris Johnson they, they voted in as their leader back in July 2019?
1: Yeah, it might be, but that's a leader for that time. The question is whether he is now a leader for them moving forward to the future. And to deliver Brexit and to deliver that um, amazing 80-seat majority is, of course, something that will always be alongside his name in the history books. But he arguably has been found wanting in recent weeks and months. And what Gordon said there about whether he goes tonight or next week or indeed at the summer seems to suggest it's terminal seems to suggest somebody that is finished, and it's a case of when, not if. Now, there could be some sort of phoenix from the flames, absolute reversal of fortune. And it's for that reason that David Cameron, the former prime minister, has called him what? The the greased piglet for his ability (laughs) to kind of slide his way out of trauma and trouble. But I mean, at the moment, I don't think it's looking too clever, to coin the analogy, you know, if he's found taking telling more porkies, to use the pork-based analogy, then I just don't know how much more he can really weather before everyone says enough's enough.
2: Gordon Wayne, will Boris Johnson fight the next
3: election? Well, could, they, could he save his bacon? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, can't on, oh, you can't answer Gordon, that with a question You're call.
1: too it's good. <laughs> you are too good, honestly. So I, do, I ask
3: questions i like to answer them. It really doesn't feel like it, does it? I mean, I think the problem for him now is that if you talk to... Um, Tory MPs, it's really difficult to find anyone who is batting for him at the moment. What was um, perhaps most difficult for him in Parliament uh, today was that there just weren't really many people standing up and putting in a good word for him. It was all negative from his own benches that's a huge problem. It may, it may be that he goes um, and speaks to the party and there is some support, but it, it doesn't feel as though there is a majority uh, within the parliamentary party at the moment. There's a lot of Tory MPs who are quite quiet and don't really say much publicly. Maybe they all back him. We, you know, It's hard to tell. But um, even if he were to win a confidence vote, which is possible... It doesn't really feel as th- as though he is going to be able to soldier on until the next election, unless there is some, as Camilla said, unless
2: some, as yet unforeseen event should happen um, that changes the political landscape. Which, which could be Ukraine. It could be Ukraine t- um, conflict when the party feels it must withdraw letters to support the prime minister um, if British troops are involved. C- Camilla Tomliny, let's um, let's imagine that something as huge as Ukraine doesn't get much worse than it is at the moment. How do you sketch out the next the next few weeks and months of Boris Johnson? How could he survive this, for example?
1: Well, it's, it's easier to say what could prove to be the fatal blow. We could get a full Met investigation informing a Sue Gray report that finds serious wrongdoing in public office. You could have the threshold of 54 letters being um, reached. More dangerous still, I think, and um, we referred earlier in this podcast to the grim faces on the front bench, is is someone going to make a move now? Because we've had sort of kind of conditional loyalty from um, Rishi Sunak. He's done this joint op-ed justifying the national insurance increase at the weekend with, the PM. with Boris Johnson. Um, but you've got a grim-faced Liz Truss, who we all know is on manoeuvres, along with the likes of Michael Gove, even Pretty Patel. You've got the odds being slashed on people who are less well-known, like Tom Tugendart, the chair of the Foreign Affairs Select Committee. So you've got a lot of ambitious people looking for their opportunity. And as the cracks start to appear in his premiership, and Start to get wider and wider. You'll get people trying to fill that vacuum.
2: Gordon, do you think it might be a moment for the men in grey suits, men and women in grey suits, to go and see him. That's normally known as the senior people on the 1922 committee, or the rather less well-known 92 group of Tory MPs who can go and say to Boris Johnson, "You're bringing the party down. There is a loss of faith and trust in you. Here's the uh, guilt-ed revolver. We'll shut the door, and here's a bottle of whiskey."
3: Uh, if I was to put money on it i would say not quite yet i I think that the argument that he is under investigation by the police and that you don't um hang a man before he's been tried will probably cut through with um a lot of tory mps this is assuming we don't get the 54 letters which Mm. of course would be a whole other story but if if we if we're not if if the 54 letters don't go in or if he fights a a no confidence vote and wins it I, i think that's that's the moment when um, a delegation might go and see him and say, look, this isn't working. Um, there really isn't any way of pulling this round. Um, you need to do the decent
2: thing. If you, if you step back, Scotland Yard are investigating 12 possible crimes in Number 10 Downing Street or the Cabinet Office. The, the PM is Boris Johnson. Uh, the clock is ticking for the Tory MPs, isn't it, Camilla Tomney? Because the next election is going to be in May 2024. L- latest, I would argue, maybe as soon as November next year. You can't change a leader basically after this October, can you?
1: Well, also, you've got the um, local elections, which might be a pinch point, because if they're even more disastrous than predicted, and they are meant to be bad in midterm anyway, then that could be something that pushes Boris Johnson over the precipice. Um, I mean, you're talking about these crimes... These are alleged crimes. Kind of, well, alleged crimes, but also they're crimes on the back of draconian measures that a lot of people didn't agree with. It's almost like invented crimes, COVID crimes. um It's. I. I know the opposition are trying to have a great deal of fun with this idea of criminality, but in the general public's mind, they think it was ridiculous that the rules were ever put in place and that people were quotes criminalised for having social events or drinking coffee on park benches. So. I don't think that's the biggest threat to his premiership. I do think it is the people sitting behind him. As Churchill said, it's not the enemy in front of you; it's the enemy on the benches behind you that really matters.
2: Well, Gordon, Wayne, just finally, I mean, sum up, sum up what you saw there in House of Commons. I think we saw a prime minister who is under um, the most pressure
3: he's ever been under. Uh, I think we saw a prime minister who probably realizes that. Um, His time may be almost up. We saw a a party who didn't seem to want him to be their leader anymore, um, by and large. But we also saw um, a prime minister who never quite believes that um, his luck is going to run out um, and probably always thinks that um, something will turn up. Uh, Camilla Tomri,
2: please, just finally, in in your own words, how would you summarise the day?
1: Well, I think it's going to get even more difficult. That might be hard to believe, but there are yet more revelations to come. We've got this report that's told us virtually nothing. Um, we've been informed that the investigation is wider than we had initially expected. And you've got a prime minister on the ropes. So expect more blows and expect more black eyes. I mean, unfortunately, what's good for copy isn't necessarily great for the country, but The Telegraph will keep on reporting on all of it.
2: We certainly will. Well, Kymlet Tomney, Gordon Rayner... Two of our associate editors here at Telegraph. Thank you for joining us this this week on Chopper's Politics. And listeners, that definitely won't be the last we hear of the Sue Gray report. But for now, from us here at Chopper's Politics, that's your lot. I'd love to get your thoughts on Boris Johnson, his future. Camilla and Gordon, whatever, do get in touch. Your thoughts, rants, feelings, rages, email me, chopperspolitics at telegraph.co.uk or tweet me, we're at Podcast. And for all the fallout of this report and for more expert analysis from Camilla, Gordon, other colleagues in the Telegraph lobby team, why not sign up to be a Telegraph subscriber? Go to telegraph.co.uk forward slash chopper and get your first month's subscription completely free of charge. And thanks, as always, to my producers, Giles Gear, Louisa Wells and Theodora Luludis. And, of course, thank you to you for listening. I'm sure we all have grey expectations. You see what I did there? About what might follow in the world of Westminster right now. But if you want to know more on the day it happens, please sign up to my Chopper's Politics newsletter that goes straight to your inbox every weekday. The link to sign up to that newsletter is in the show notes for this episode. And keep an eye on my weekly Peterborough Diary column if you can't get enough Chopper. It's every Friday at 7pm and in Saturday's newspaper. And finally, as always, if you can... Please do buy a copy of the Daily Telegraph. You won't regret it. Until next time, though, cheerio! Hold up.